0: Welcome to Manners and Madness, a podcast about David Lynch and Jane Austen.
1: Last week we focused on Jane Austen, this week we pivot to the other end of the spectrum as we explore David Lynch's critically acclaimed Blue Velvet. My name is Maya Adkins and I've been a fan of both Lynch and Austen for a long time and I've conjured my good friend to come along on this joyride with me.
0: Hi, my name is Christian Cabrera and I am the quintessential novice of Jane Austen and David Lynch know little to nothing about either of them
1: <laughs> uh well what do you know about david lynch
0: um i mean i've watched i think i watched season one of twin peaks um i've only was introduced to him about a year and a half to two years ago um i've watched the first season of twin peaks um when the new season came out recently i think what the past year or so uh-huh. i watched uh, like a sort of an episode or two that was on uh because my boyfriend watches it a lot um but yeah that's about it. I don't I've never watched anything else of his.
1: <laughs> well, I'm very excited to bring you along on this because um my personal experience is David Lynch Twin Peaks was maybe my first thing that I ever loved. <laughs> you know, uh, as an adult. Yeah. Um I was well not an adult, but I was well, maybe 12 or 13 when I watched it. My mom really wanted me to watch it. She was very she wanted me to have the same hair as the please watch this
0: this crazy series He need to have his hair
1: (laughs) yes um well but i'll I'll go more into that twin peaks experience but um yeah i've ever since then i have just i mean ever since twin peaks came back back out on vhs when i was in college Uh that's when i really got into all of david lynch and um yeah that's back when i watched blue velvet for the first time But before we get into that, let us explain to you a little bit more about how we are setting up this podcast. If you listen to our previous episode, you've probably already heard this, but for the people who are just interested in David Lynch, I thought we should explain it again. What we're going to do is have Jane Austen episodes and David Lynch episodes, because we know that there, we're hoping that there's crossover that people like and want to learn about both of them. But just in case you're just more interested in one than the other or, you know, not interested in one or the other, um, we're going to have separate episodes. We're going to switch back and forth between Jane Austen and David Lynch episodes. But we will most likely have more Jane Austen episodes than David Lynch episodes simply because there is more Jane Austen material in the world than there is David Lynch material. But there is a surprising amount of David Lynch material. So don't worry, David Lynch fans. And since we're a new podcast, we want to make this as enjoyable to all of our listeners as possible. So we would love for you to contact us uh, via Twitter.
0: Our Twitter handle is at manners madness
1: or Gmail
0: manners and madness at gmail.com.
1: <laughs> or you can visit our website, which is mannersandmadness.com Oh, and we have an Instagram. Oh yeah.
0: Manners and madness pod.
1: Yes. So please get in contact with us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what your suggestions are, rate and review, and we'd really appreciate it. Yes,
0: we want to hear from you.
1: our first impressions what what was your first impression of blue velvet christian
0: well um i had kind of you know i obviously watched the trailer for it jo- uh, my boyfriend has seen it before and uh he had told me that we were we would eventually watch it because he likes the movie a lot um so i had seen the trailer for it and i had kind of this idea from that and from what i had just you know briefly read on the synopsis that uh that it was going to be like a crime crime drama thriller kind of like weird like David Lynchian uh-huh. amalgamation of it, different uh genres and I, w- I really liked it I really really liked it I enjoyed watching it it did not feel like it was two hours long no because <laughs> you get fully immersed into that storyline and all the craziness that's going on yeah uh, I really enjoyed it
1: Well, oh, I'm so excited um my first experience was probably in college and it's been a long time since I've seen it. So when I rewatched it for this, I the first time I rewatched it, I felt like I had no idea what was happening. So it was <laughs> almost as if this was the first time again. And it is one of those movies because I watched it a couple times this week. And like all David Lynch, I find the more you watch it, the more you find in it because like the there's a lot ideals. of stuff that's easy to miss. Mm-hmm. The first time through, and the second time you kind of look at everyone and everything a little bit differently, but I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's kind of the perfect David Lynch intro movie because it is you know it's two hours, it moves by really fast it's mm-hmm. a very comprehensible story yeah it um it's almost simplistic in a way I mean it's not simple, but just the way it's laid out is very um linear and it has a happy ending, which Yeah. I was like, <laughs> it's not always a guarantee. No. <laughs>
0: and it's got a great cast too. Oh I mean, yeah. Isabella Rossellini, whom I love. Yes. Tom McLaughlin, I mean
1: Yeah. Laura Edward,
0: Dern. Laura Dern, I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, let's get into some of the facts I found because a lot of the people in this Uh, movie are people who David Lynch or you know behind the scenes are people who David Lynch worked with for the first time on this movie and has basically worked for with (laughs) worked (laughs) with for the rest of his career so Blue Velvet came out in 1986 the tagline it's a strange world that's That's kind of a boring tagline (laughs) all right (laughs) I mean it does fit but yeah you can pretty much put that on Any movie? (laughs) Yeah, I
0: I didn't find it as much the world strange as much as it was scary violent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely... um, it's Maybe it should have been... It's a hidden world or... I don't know.
0: Something more mysterious or something.
1: Um, We have in the cast um, Isabella Rossellini as Dorothy Valens, Kyle MacLachlan, Dennis Hopper, Laura Dern. Um, We get to see Francis Bay, who... Played Aunt Barbara, who goes on to be in several David Lynch uh, movies, and she's in a lot of other stuff too. I don't have her um, IMDb in front of me, so I can't go through her list whole of list of her credits. But yeah, she she's definitely you're gonna see her pop up because like um, Jane Austen, there's a lot of crossover of actors and stuff in David Lynch as well. And also just Jack Nance, he's a very small part, and you probably I don't even know if you would know who he is yet. I- Think oh, you so. would, because you watched I the first season. I think he's, season.
0: um, because he's one of the goons, right? Yeah. He plays the guy who's married to the woman who Runs the mill
1: in yes. Twin Peaks, yes. and
0: he's... he's like kind of like a stay-at-home husband or something. Yeah, okay. I, I love I, him so. He was much. great. <laughs> he was fun in this. Like I,
1: yeah, I think he's so good. Yeah, he he was definitely my favorite of the goons. Yeah, he definitely I mean, had his own yes. character going on. <laughs> yeah, I
0: was like, I feel like he wasn't just like goon number three. He was like, okay, I was like, Iron remember him.
1: Yeah, um, there's several other people in the cast who I don't really know, so I'm not really gonna get into them. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, writer-director David Lynch. Um, oh, and Angelo Badalamenti, who does the music, he mm-hmm. played the piano in the uh, Blue Velvet. So.
0: I, um I when I was I was watching it, um, I noticed that the music was like, at first I thought it was the same music from Twin Peaks, because <laughs> it sounded so similar that like, I always, I know it's, I don't know if this is like... Sacrilegious to say, but it was like very like Scooby Dooish to me. Like it was like, you know, like that doom, doom, like that bass, and it was just really. Oh, like
1: I never thought about that, but I could see that.
0: Kind of, just like a little bit, but it seems, to, I thought it was the same as Twin Peaks, but it wasn't. Like obviously it was a little different.
1: Right. And same this is the first time they worked together, um, oh. Angelo Bada Lamenti and David Lynch, and they would go on to do several projects together, especially Twin Peaks. Yeah, and this is uh, David Lynch's fourth full-length movie. Um, he had done Eraserhead, The Elephant Man, and Dune prior to this. Okay. And then he did Wild at Heart, and then Twin Peaks. So, and then there's a lot more after that. But um, just to put it into some context, okay. Um, the score for this movie, was or the soundtrack was ranked number one hundred on Entertainment Weekly's greatest film sa- soundtrack list. Wow. So that's. I mean, it's. I couldn't find on Apple Music like or in CD um, a copy of the soundtrack, but I could find it on record, so I huh. got a record of it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe they just we're like, we're not going to release CD.
1: I don't know. There's a, so much of David Lynch that's hard to get a hold mm-hmm. of, because I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm not exactly sure why. But um, the cinematographer was Fed- Frederick Elms, and he also did Wild at Heart with david lynch and this was the first time he worked with joanna ray who was his casting director and Uh. uh, she had only done one previous movie Firestarter, and i believe she was maybe like maybe she had done one more but um she was just starting her career and she said she really fell in love with david lynch when he told her that he was looking for an actress um to play dorothy but that he didn't want her to have a perfect body and um, although he ended up with Isabella Rossellini, so I was about to say she
0: is like. <laughs>
1: but that's not necessarily fit, what he was fit. looking for, right? You know, right. he's just looking for the right person. And since then, they they're now personal friends. It seems to me, and they love each other. Um, the producer Dino De Laurentiis um he really believed in the movie and he had to set up his very own production company just to get the movie into theaters because no one else would put it out
0: that's why wouldn't they put it out do
2: you
1: know well um at the time a lot of people were calling it pornographic and they were really just i mean i think i get into that a little bit later but um there was just a lot of controversy over the content you know people I mean, this is before it was even released, but nobody wanted to touch it. (laughs) I don't know, maybe Eraserhead and Dune scared people off or something, but Mm -hmm. um, uh, Molly Ringwald was first offered the role of Sandy. Wow. Yeah, wouldn't that have been interesting? What if she had gone on to be David Lynch's muse throughout his career? That would have been insane. <laughs> I wonder if she I ever thinks back it. on that and is like, ah, that was a big mistake.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, 16 Candles Pretty Pink is, like, I mean, they're classics. Oh, yeah. Of course. Classics. She
1: does, but I mean.
0: But, yeah, who knows? No, I mean, no, no. Laura Dern. I thought Laura Dern was perfect. Yeah, I mean. She was amazing. Maybe
1: it was Kismet because I don't think could have gotten a better than Laura Dern.
0: No. Which, I have a question. Her name was Sandy, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and this is like how stupid my mind works. I was like, okay, Greece because <laughs> she looks like she's mm-hmm. blonde she's tall thin beautiful i was like okay so is this like some <laughs> yes <laughs> my mind's like some underlying grace parallel
1: i find her name sandy to be strange too i i found the whole time i was making notes that i kept forgetting her name
0: well yeah i <laughs> didn't... having
1: to remind myself it's sandy sandy is her name yeah
0: <laughs> i had to i, I didn't like no, that was her name until like about a quarter of the way into the movie and she had been there and i was like i just kept like not really hearing it right i was like is it sandy like really yeah i guess so
1: but there you go um val kilmer turned down the role of jeffrey thinking the script was pornography again uh whatever Um, isabella rossellini's role was written for debbie harry apparently
0: oh wow
1: but she said she was tired of playing weirdos I don't uh, think she's a weirdo per uh, se. <laughs> she's, she's an abused woman for uh, she's sure. She's <laughs> a
0: tragic like victim yes. of abuse.
1: Um, he also was considering Helen Mirren, and oh. actually he had he met Isabella Rossellini um, just at a random uh, event, I guess a dinner or something. Uh-huh. And she was working with Helen Mirren in a movie, so he was talking to her about, oh, can you talk to Helen Mirren and see if she? Wow. And that ap- after that, he realized. Oh, maybe sh- I should have her read for it. And that's how she got the part. Yes, I love it. And this was only her second American movie. She had previously been a model. Um, several actors turned down the role of Frank, <laughs> including William Defoe.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I could see him. Yeah,
0: that totally makes sense. Yeah.
1: But Dennis Hopper said he read the part and... You know, he had had a lot of drug problems, uh-huh. and he had, was coming back out of it. He, You know, he was clean. And he read the part and said, oh, I've got to play Frank because I am Frank. You know, he yeah. really understood the character.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was, I mean, as awful, awful <laughs> as Frank was. I was like, that's like...
1: But he still brings so many levels to it. Yeah, so much he, nuance.
0: he did a great job.
1: Yeah. Um, Harry Dean Stanton, who also went on to work with David Lynch in several movies. He also turned on the role of Frank um because he thought it was too violent. But he went on to be in several Lynch pieces <laughs> which are also violent. But he, the character he plays in those aren't necessarily as bad as Frank was. Right. Um, Chris Isaac was up for Jeffrey, um, which is interesting because in Fire Walk with me, he kind of plays a Kyle McLaughlin stand in. Uh-huh. So I just huh. thought that was kind of interesting bit of synchronicity, um, and and some of the lost footage, the cut scenes that are in the Criterion Collection box set, um, you you can see that Megan Mullally played what? Jeffrey's girlfriend.
0: Whoa! Yeah, she
1: got cut out of the movie, but um, no. She, when I watched That's it, so I was crazy. like, "I had to go back and go now." Who was playing that? Because I did not recognize her. Megan at Mullally.
0: All. I would love to see. I haven't. I haven't seen the Criterion deleted. Scenes. Oh, we'll have Are... to show you just the I scenes would, she's yeah. Saying, I would love done. to see that. Yeah. Wow. Um, is this the first uh, movie that or piece of David Lynch stuff that Kyle McLaughlin worked with him on, or is there other stuff?
1: Um, he had done Dune, Dune. previously. Okay. Yeah, I think that as. He was doing dune david lynch was working on this and that's how he got him
0: gotcha Mm
1: -hmm. Um, it was shot in wilmington north carolina and the whole town was very excited until they all showed up to watch isabella rossellini's nude scene and (laughs) they were like um we can't have this film here anymore but you know they figured it out but yeah (laughs) <laughs> they all came with that's picnic a jarring box. scene <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> to be like oh my god
1: i was reading or listening to some of the interviews and they were saying that the whole town kind of showed up with picnic baskets like oh we're gonna watch this filming and then by the time the scene was over there was no one left and i can imagine they were all a little scandalized <laughs> um, but actually in north carolina there is another town called lumberton oh really and so it just i don't know if that was the plan all along but huh. i love lumberton being a theme
0: <laughs> i yeah like i just I, like with the opening scene of like the fire truck with the dalmatian and i was like okay like it just solidifies that like all american town
1: yeah yeah <laughs> there's a funny story about that dennis hopper was telling where he he said that david lynch could write the word fuck but he couldn't say it so he would show him the script and be like and you're going to say this, 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 and then that word. And oh, God.
0: That's so I wonder why.
1: Oh, you know, he's just so – David Lynch is – he's kind of a throwback, you know. He says, like, mm-hmm. peachy Kane and G willikers. Okay, you and I understand. But he's not afraid to write down, like, the darkest stuff. Right, it's just, uh, He doesn't want to say it. <laughs> um, and total, from what I read, I don't know if – I didn't count it myself, but the word fuck is used 56 times, all but once by Frank. And supposedly he says it in almost every sentence, but going back and watching it, I don't believe that's actually true.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say not every sentence, but extremely often. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, Yeah. Lynch said that the um, nude scene where Dorothy is walking nude on the street was actually inspired, and it's kind of what inspired the movie, um, by a childhood incident in which he and his brother saw a woman dazed and naked walking down the street and instead of being you know at all titillated or whatever you would think a young boy seeing a naked woman would be they started crying because they knew something was really wrong that's traumatic yeah it obviously stayed with him because he made the i mean not only in this but in other things that same image comes back wow um it was also inspired by the song Blue Velvet by Bobby Fenton.
0: Yeah. I just, the minute I heard it, I was like, okay.
1: <laughs> and the other inspiration uh, was of a severed ear, which, because, and he was saying he really wanted, um, he was thinking a mouth or a nose or something at first because he just wanted something that was like, that went from an external to an internal, like a uh-huh. portal into another world. Oh, um, wow. So that's why he ended up with the ear. Um, and I, I don't know, we can cut this if you want, but, I thought I'd ask if you had any sort of traumatic childhood experiences that you know have stuck with you that kind of inform.
0: Um, I mean, maybe so. Like, um, I mean, you know, I grew up in late '90s, early 2000s. Um, I mean, I I feel like it's not nothing like crazy, but like just the normal like you know, parents from that time like raising their kids, you know. Right. You just learn to, you know, it depends <laughs> on who your parents are and uh i just feel like i'm maybe i'm more so of like a wallflower i'm very observant of a person because of i don't know maybe so i don't really remember but maybe some events like you know that happened when i was a kid yeah but just stuff like that where i'm not like you know very outgoing and stuff <laughs> like that i'm just in you know, it's not traumatic, traumatic, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think I had anything nearly as nothing like that. <laughs> like oh, no a way. naked woman walking down the street. No. But I did fall out of a window when I was four. Oh my gosh! But I cracked my skull. <laughs> I guess that was traumatic. Oh yeah, for I, well, my parents.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. Um, but way, I also cracked my head open. Oh yeah. Poor cracked
1: head buddies. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I was in first grade. I was seven years old. And I was walking down the aisle of my classroom had just sharpened a color pencil and slipped on a backpack and it went face first onto the color pencil and then the desk.
1: Oh, no. And
0: yeah, I had to get some stitches, obviously.
1: Uh Yeah, that was probably the most traumatic. Kids have tough heads, thank God. (laughs) Jesus,
0: I barely remember it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I know. I remember going to the hospital, but. Yeah, that was. (laughs) Having to lay in bed for a week. Um, okay, and the the other interesting, one more interesting tidbit: the ear that they used may have been the first use of silicone for an f for a special effects wow. piece. Um, yeah, there's um, some really interesting behind the scenes interviews with like the crew who are from North Carolina because uh-huh. they hired a lot of local people, and they were telling the, the story about making the ear and how they think that might have been the first time they ever. Use silicone. Wow. For, um, any sort of prosthetic. Um, originally, it was four hours long.
0: The, the movie? Yes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah.
1: Um, he, him and Dale Rentis, the producer, um, came up with a compromised plan for a release in which David Lynch would get final cut, but it had to be two hours. And he also had to do it on the cheap. Right. Um, to okay. get it made. But, um, yeah, so... Uh, there's like an hour of lost footage on the Criterion Collection, but there's still Whoa, um, wow. a whole another hour's worth. Um, there's another name that is like the proverbial name for this four hour long cut. I uh-huh. can't remember it, but it is in my notes. So I'll, I'll try to remember to say it when we get wow. to it later. Um, as for awards that it won or were nominated for, it won the Sites Film Festival Best Film. It won Best Film for the National Society of Film Critics Awards, as well as Best Director and Best Supporting actor for Dennis Hopper Oh, and Best Cinematography. It won Best Actor in the, for Dennis Hopper in the Montreal World Film Festival, uh, the Los Angeles Film Critics Association Awards got Best Director, Best Supporting Actor for Hopper. Um, Isabella Rossellini won an Independent Spirit Award and also um, Lynch was and there was a lot of nominations as well from that including Laura Dern and Lynch and Cinematography and wow. Hopper. Um it got nominated for Golden Globe for Best Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor. It won the Boston Society of Film Critics Best Film. And um, interestingly, Lynch tied with Oliver Stone for Best Director huh. for Platoon. Wow. Uh, you you rarely hear about ties in awards show, but I like yeah. I like a tie. <laughs> yeah. Um and uh best cinematography, best supporting actor, and then Academy Awards. Uh, Lynch was nominated for Best Director, and it was the only movie that year to be nominated for a director, but not film. Oh, yeah. So mm. I guess there was still a little bit of blowback going on,
2: Which but it has
1: crazy. a ninety-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow,
0: I mean, it's. it's I mean, it's good. a classic. It's good.
1: It, um, but at the time when it first came out, uh, there was a film critic who uh, walked out of the film and gave it a poor review, named Mark Kermode. Uh-huh. Um, but he revisited his view of the film over time and in 2016, he remarked that, as a film critic, it taught me that when a film really gets under your skin and really provokes a visceral reaction, you have to be careful about assessing it. I didn't walk out on Blue Velvet because it was a bad film. I walked out on it because it was a really good film and the point was at the time, I wasn't good enough for it. Wow. Which is, I mean, it's so rare to hear people have that kind of self-reflection about you know yeah. how they react but it's so true with David Lynch works you know you might have a certain reaction the first time but then you go back and you look at it a completely different way
0: yeah and like you said it like unravels itself the more you watch it so I'm sure he's seen him
1: mm-hmm.
0: more than once since then and is like okay
1: it's kind of crazy to me though that this is 86 I don't feel like it's that long ago and people are reacting so violently well, to it or viscerally
0: weren't there movies like um, Fatal Attraction was it the '90s, or is it the '80s? Or like, I, I feel know, like I think maybe
1: it was after this, but
0: I feel like the '80s—it's not. I like... mean,
1: we had already been through the '70s. Come on, yeah. <laughs> some crazy stuff that came out yeah, in the '70s.
0: I, I, that's what I'm like—that everyone was like, "So this is pornographic. This is terrible." I was like, the '80s don't seem like they were. Maybe it's just like a conservative you know,
1: Reagan. Uh, you know, oh, everybody is. Yeah. There you is, go. Yeah, I, <laughs> there <know>. you go. <laughs> I was still a child, so it's hard to say.
0: I wasn't born yet, <laughs> yeah. so you it's, know,
1: it made me feel old. Um, <laughs> Sorry. The premiere, though, did have lines around the blocks because oh, you know it, just the buzz about it. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> this potentially pornographic movie. It. Everybody wants to see it, of course. Of course. Um, there were reports of mass walkouts and refunds, but. There were definitely instances where, like, um, a man fainted at a screening because of his pacemaker and had to go to the hospital. But he later came back because he wanted to see the end. Wow. And, there, like, two strangers got into a fight during um, one of the screenings. But they decided to drop it because they both they wanted, wanted to, see. to see the rest of the movie. <laughs> I mean, that's a
0: testament <laughs> and to so, how good it is. Yeah,
1: definitely. And so, I mean, it went from a small controversial film to cult film status. And now it's considered a classic and is on many of the best of lists, including AFI, Entertainment Weekly, The Guardian, and Film 4. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's so, like, it's so funny to, like, see these cult, like, cult movies, um, like, Blue Velvet. Like, I, the one I think of when you said that was Heathers. Like, <laughs> wasn't that also 80s? Maybe, like, later 80s, uh-huh. but, like, super violent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> super awful. And I mean, it's a cult classic, but it got a lot of flack at the time, too.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I just rewatched that movie, and it is so good. It's like the perfect that, satirical dark yes, comedy. I, I love that movie.
0: I love that
2: movie so much. <laughs> I could watch it over and over.
1: With blue velvet curtains, which reminded me of Emma. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was to say. Emma. It's Everybody funny that Emma. our first two episodes kind of had almost the same like opening first sequence. Second.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it like had that like opening sequence, like uh, where they give like all the credits right in the beginning. Yeah. It was,
1: like, and you it's... just get to hear the theme music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of um, almost Alfred Hitchcock, or you know, from something. Back in the day. Yeah, I was going to say. I, a throwback. I most. think of like
0: old Disney movies, like oh, Sleeping yeah. Beauty. Yeah, yeah. How the beginning credits are like 10 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> Come on. Just the music underneath. Yeah, I was like, let's get to the movie. Come on.
1: <laughs> and then we go from blue velvet curtains to blue sky, and we see a white picket fence and some red roses. Um, we're getting some real common David Lynch motifs right off the bat. Mm-hmm we're in um an idyllic small town america
0: lumberton
1: lumberton usa we got some firemen driving by and waving you know all (laughs) friendly like
0: (laughs) i say it's perfect middle america like classic
1: yes old school we set it up um and we go into a very unsuccessful attempt to water a lawn
0: yeah uh (laughs) i would say it's Probably the most unsuccessful watering of a lot is <laughs> so he. Something happened. Some bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, all I could think about. I was like, what is happening?
1: I know the first when I rewatched it the first time, I was wondering, what is happening right now? Is he having a stroke? Is he that's, having a heart attack?
0: Yeah, that's what I wrote my I My notes. I was like, did he have a stroke? Like it was never explained. It,
1: like, explicitly. It's not. Although in this in the lost footage, it does. I it think, does say that it was probably a stroke or something
0: okay i assumed from the reaction yeah
1: although when he's in that like contraption for oh his God. head we'll get into that but <laughs> that um, scary yeah i noticed that um, on the second viewing right before he has the thing in his neck you can see like the pressure and the hose starts to build up and it's like starts to yeah. shake and i thought oh that's kind there of mirroring you, yeah. the
0: I did. I was like, I, when we kept seeing that, I was like, okay, one or two things are going to happen.
1: <laughs> I thought it was going to just be... Pew, I thought it was going to shoot
0: off and like hit him and uh, hurt him yeah. somehow or kill him. You know, something...
1: Yeah. You
0: know, <laughs> it would have been kind of 80s-ish. Um, But when... After he falls and like we go into the grass yeah. and we see the ants, I was like, please do not tell me that these ants are going to like start crawling all over him and start oh, eating him. yeah. That would I be... Was,
1: no, but instead it's just setting up a major theme for the whole movie which is what is underneath the surface and bugs are obviously in this movie a representation of that because right. you know you get down and it's like yeah. and you see it's just Creepy like ugh, craziness going on on the surface although i personally don't think of bugs as being the uh symbol of bad things <laughs> <laughs>
0: well it depends on which bug
1: yeah that's true but it's definitely um a thing in this and um something that I really think we should use maybe as a transition for our own podcast. Um, uh-huh. We get the radio of Lumberton and their theme song, which is like oh. Logs, Logs, Logs. Yes, yes, I
0: I could oh my god, I thought that was the funniest thing.
1: Yes. I loved I loved it. And that the the sound of the falling tree <laughs> is what marks the hour in this town.
0: It's, I Oh my god, that was so funny. I love it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we can figure out how to do something like that for a trial. Isolate the
0: sound. That could be our intro.
1: Yeah, or at least, like, (laughs) we're moving into a new thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that also feels very, like, it has, you can see the DNA of Twin Peaks in it very clearly. Oh, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jeffrey has to walk to the hospital, and he's walking through this brambly kind of area. He comes across this shed, and he throws some rocks. Um, He goes on to the hospital, where he visits with his dad, who, can't speak. And we we realized that his dad is the man of lawn watering infamy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They both are sad, but neither of them can really speak to each other. And so he's back back home, and he comes to the same place. He's like, oh, this is my rock-throwing place. So he starts throwing some I'm more say, rocks. Let me look
2: for some rocks,
1: and on his search for another perfect rock, he finds don don don. I'm gonna say it <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a severed ear, ugh, which is covered with ants, which is another bug
0: and mold. <laughs> it's yeah, it was like some weird blue.
1: Yeah, mold, and we, it looks later like it's also very hairy, which <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I was like,
0: Ugh, that is gross. Yeah, um, <laughs> I wrote some of my notes because. He didn't. There was like no interaction, like no like visceral, like oh my god. Like he was just kind of like oh, there's an ear. <laughs> I heard that of my notes. I was like, so his first instinct was like, let me go ahead and just make a little doggy bag of this ear. Yeah, at first
1: he's like, hmm, what can I use to pick this up? Because I'm not using my hands. Oh, yeah. perfect little paper bag. <laughs> so then he does in. pick it up with his hands and puts it in Ugh. the bag. Um, and yeah, so he's got an ear in a bag and he's off to the police. And we see the police station, which also has a log. It it's just says police with a log underneath it. Log police. Oh, I wonder if the log lady is from this town. Oh
0: my um, God. <laughs> oh, no. they are all connected.
1: Yeah, it's all connected. Um, yeah, when Jane Austen and David Lynch start connecting, that's when our brains will really explode. But <laughs> I'm not ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we go, we meet Detective Williams for the first time, and he is so weird in this scene. He's yes. very nonchalant, and it kind of makes him seem creepy, or maybe he's creepy and nonchalant. He kind of, he, I don't know, watching it again, I thought, oh, this is a funny scene. He's, this is supposed to be really weird and funny yeah, in a weird I think way. it's
0: like kind <laughs> of like to make you uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, like he Cause... steps up to Jeffrey at this one point where I'm like, what's going on with this yeah. body language, but he's just so like, oh, you found an ear. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> just let's just take like this to the corner. really
0: happy and like it's <laughs> almost like as if like a little kid found like almost like an arrowhead yeah. or something like crazy like like oh, let's find out what it is. Yes,
1: our budding detective. God. Let's encourage him. So they go to the corner, which I mean, how is do you really bring the person to the corner, we?
0: <laughs> the first, the, the citizen who but, found the yes. severed ear. Oil.
1: But maybe he's just trying to encourage him. I don't know. I because mean, he seems to kind of know who he is. So, yeah. I guess the, um, uh, what is Jeffrey's last name? Beaumont? Oh, uh, yeah. The Beaumonts are um, a pretty well known family because they own the hardware, the hardware store. The hardware store. Yeah.
0: Um, how old is uh, Jeffrey supposed to be?
1: I'm guessing maybe like 21. Okay. 20 maybe yeah I mean he can obviously drink I don't know I think that the drinking age is 21 by then yeah so he's but yeah. he, he couldn't have been in college very long because no. Laura Dern she's the senior but she remembers him from high school so yeah
0: that's why I was like and I don't know it also could be that like small town thing where you know he could be 19 or 20 and they could be like here's a beer yeah <laughs> because cares? i
1: mean i, I know my parents were younger the drinking age was 18 so i'm yeah. not exactly sure when it changed but i f- think it changed before this so they're they're at the corners and we find out that the ear was most likely cut off with scissors Ugh, which my god. Ooh, i think I, we might even see those scissors later on yeah
0: that, <laughs> oh my god i literally wrote my notes in all caps scissors <laughs> question mark exclamation point i was like oh my god it's the worst i like yeah. grabbed on my ears i was like absolutely
1: not yeah oh you're starting God. to feel uncomfortable right from the beginning it's Like scissors and um then we get to meet uh francis bay his aunt um recurring guest oh, we already talked about um and i was wondering at this point because i feel like jeffrey is really throughout this movie is kind of having an existential crisis in uh-huh. his own way because you know he had to come back from school his dad is in the hospital he's clearly kind of floundering, but he's spending all of his time investigating this weird mystery, so I'm wondering how much of this is just a way to deflect his uh, thoughts from, you know, the other uh, stuff that's going to remove himself from he, his own yeah. Um. he's going back to visit the detective at his home at night which <laughs> I feel like the subtext yeah. of detective dad is no need to visit me at my home at night, you know <laughs> yeah, I was
0: about to say, like, I'm off the clock <laughs>
1: But, uh, you know, I mean, he does meet with him up in his home office. He's got his feet up on the desk. Yeah, which seems super
0: nonchalant, like, cool. Yeah,
1: but he says, you know, I'll take it from here. You don't need to be involved in this right. anymore. Which um correct. Yeah, that's <laughs> was it's like, correct. yeah,
0: seems dangerous.
1: <laughs> so he's leaving the house, and then we have Sandy, Laura Dern, appearing like a vision through the through the trees. Through the it's, so, it's such a nice, like intro to her yeah
0: (laughs) i really like that i was like this is so cool so
1: dramatic i know
0: i was like and then like it's just
1: she just appears like a little pollyanna right out of the trees
0: (laughs) and it's just like okay i mean she's extremely beautiful and just like having that like moonlight and emerging from the darkness i was like jesus
1: (laughs) yeah and her first line are you the one that found the year (laughs) (laughs) i was like (laughs) so scary um and she talks about how she has her room is above her dad's office. So she hears things and she's heard that there's a woman singer who's under surveillance and she knows where she lives. And so, um, Jeffrey convinces her as such a romantic first date to go show me this building oh, where the, where we're getting where we think this woman lives. And, um, she gets cat called on the way there, which is just an interesting little oh, yeah. um, nugget to throw in, which is just like, you know, um, just being a woman on the street—you just <laughs> can't escape it. <laughs>
0: Seriously, wanna... even
1: with a man right next to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. What the heck? I want to go back. Um, when he's walking to, uh, their house before, um, there's this guy on the street walking his dog, and he has sunglasses yes. on. And I was like, <laughs> I couldn't tell at first. I was like, is he blind? I looked for like the little like the um, walking stick, and I couldn't see one. I was like, there's. I don't think it's a guide dog.
1: No.
2: So, interesting. I think,
1: and I don't know. Okay, this is David Lynch. Obviously, works in surrealism to a certain extent. He's an artist first before he was a, a filmmaker. And there's so many of those random, just background characters that show up and are just weird. They're just weird. Yeah. They they shouldn't be there. And I don't know. If maybe it's like a Brechtian thing, Brecht was um, a playwright back, um, I don't even, maybe late, early 1900s. Um, I'm not exactly sure when Brecht was, but it was, you know, back in the ism days. And um, his whole aesthetic was, he did, he wrote stuff about, you know, violent, mean people, but he didn't want you to get so sucked in that you forgot that you were watching a play. Right. So he would do things like have weird musical numbers. That's where the song Mac the Knife comes from.
2: Uh, okay. um, just to
1: like break you out of it so you realize, oh, I'm, or then they would have like the stage lights um, sh- visible to the audience just so that you never forgot. And You're I wonder if that's kind of what David Lynch is trying to do at certain points. But I don't know. It could just be a surrealism thing, you know.
0: Yeah, it felt, I don't know. I I was like trying to find the significance of it. And I think probably, like, the more I watch the movie and the more it unravels itself, the more I'll understand. Because when they come back, I mean, I don't expect him to be still be out there. Who knows how long he was in the house right. for. But he's gone. Yeah. And I feel like the way it was filmed, it almost gave, like, an impression of, for us to notice that he was not there anymore. Yes.
1: And, it's, I mean, the whole film kind of has, like, a dreamy, f- magical-slash-fake quality to it. So... Yeah. Yeah, well, we will definitely probably talk about that a little more. Um, oh, for sure. Um, on the way back from the <laughs> apartment building, they're just you know they're chatting, they're laughing, they're talking about the kid with the longest tongue in the world, and Colin uh, Blacklist doing chicken walks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cute, I just know. like it's just uh, awkward. you know, they're just they're just teenagers, you know, yeah, just like little <laughs> young beardos. adults, just trying to have fun, but also really interested in what is. The darker sides. And then we see Jeffrey working at the hardware store. And uh, we meet Double Ed, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's, they're both named Ed. So he calls them Double Ed as a collective, or if it's just the blind guy who's called Double Ed. But, you know, he knows how many fingers Jeffrey's sold. Yeah. <laughs> he knows where everything is.
0: Yeah, I was like, uh, I, I feel like because it seems like they're always together, maybe they're both named Ed and it's double N. I bet it is. Um, they're a team. But I did think, I was like, I wonder if it's like a weird thing where he's like, <laughs> and I would hate to say this, but he's pretending to be blind.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't say that David Lynch is not wanting you to question that at some point. Um, but I guess I kind of take it for face value. Yeah, above. I mean, not
0: in like, like a <laughs> malicious way, because he doesn't seem to be... Like, any sort of, like, awful kind of person. Right, but no maybe he's traits. kind of magical,
1: too. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of magical people in this. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but they really seem to like Jeffrey. Yeah. Obviously, they they know him from when he was a kid. They must have worked there for a long time. Like, his
0: uncle is almost, like, you know, like, fake uncles. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, they're kind of like uncles. Um, so then Jeffrey goes to pick up Sandy, or to go talk to Sandy at school um, <laughs> for a little diner date. And she's all, this cute boy is picking me up in his <laughs> fancy car, and... his convertible,
0: red convertible. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, she must feel real cool, but she tells her friends, you know, keep this on the DL. Don't tell Mike, <laughs> her <laughs> boyfriend.
0: I, was like, I couldn't help but laugh, like when her and her friends were like, "Oh my god, like he's,
1: <laughs> he's so cute, <laughs> he's so cute, look at the car." Yeah, I mean, the car is definitely good. Selling point. (laughs) I was about to say,
0: I mean, red convertible, you don't get any more, like, quote unquote, classic, like, hot guy than
2: that.
1: (laughs) The whole time, there's so many cars in this movie that I thought, oh, my dad, if I watch this with my dad, because he, every time we watch a movie together, all he does is point out cars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This might be a great movie for him. Yeah, I'm sure. He would be
1: like, oh, that's a that. He wouldn't care what else was going on. He just wants to (laughs) look at the cars. Um, So they go to Arlene's Diner, and I'll have to see it later if Arlene is from uh, firewalk with me if there, i think there's an arlene's Uh-oh. diner in firewalk with me um there is a boyfriend named mike in twin peaks who is uh very similar to this character i wow. believe um so she sandy goes with him and they start to plan their little spy mission <laughs> sandy at first is says, no, she doesn't want to be a part of it. It's too dangerous.
0: Right, because the rational response. But
1: she pretty much does want to because it doesn't take any talking.
0: No, no convincing. Talking
1: her into it. She's just, so many times throughout this movie she'll say, I don't think so, and one line later, she's like, "Okay, you, uh, I do you want got it. me." <laughs> and she says that nope, or he says, "Well, no, don't worry, no one's gonna suspect us of all people." I'm thinking, "Why? <laughs> because you're just like the two most milk toast yeah, kids in town." Most, like, <laughs> just
0: plain vanilla. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but not really. There's some chocolate chips in there. Uh,
0: <laughs> There's something.
1: So we go to the Deep River Apartments on Lincoln Avenue. Dorothy Valens is on the seventh floor, and it's time to execute the plan. And the plan is for Jeffrey to pretend to be an exterminator. Another bug reference. Very symbolic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's exterminating the bugs. Did not catch that. Yeah. Um, And her apartment is very mauve. 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 Mm -hmm. How do you say that word? Mauve. 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 I I think you could say it either way. And we see Isabella Rossellini for the first time gorgeous and he sprang the apartment and then we get the second knock at the door who we're expecting it to be laura dern because she's supposed to pretend to be a jehovah's witness but instead it's a guy in a yellow coat i got so
0: scared (laughs) i think
1: it's the bad detective from later who shows up Um, the
0: yellow man or something yeah
1: so he kind of fills in as the distraction although he's not the correct distraction yeah but he still manages to steal the key he was going to unlock the window, but he just steals the key. Yeah, which is a very strange place to keep your house keys
0: underneath the counter, under the
1: counter, hanging.
0: Yeah, I it was just like a regular, but it was like two little keys, like that's yeah. it. <laughs> it's like not like a set of house keys no, or anything.
1: I, I have a feeling she's a woman of not many possessions. No, well,
0: I guess so. I mean, who you knows? So that's really where like she lives. I mean, she
1: wears about three costumes in the yeah. course of the movie. Um, So he steals the key. He sneaks back out successfully. He's talking to Sandy and they're like, okay, the plan is on. I'm going to sneak back in. And she says, yeah, I still love my boyfriend, Mike, but I really want to be bad with you. So I'm going to cancel my date and let's do this thing.
0: (laughs) Again, no convincing, no, no pleading. She's exactly. Just like, okay.
1: She's she's Nancy Drew deep down. She wants to explore this mystery as much as him, but she just doesn't. She's not currently going through her own existential crisis to, you know, right. drive her no forward. real issues. <laughs> um, so they go to the bar, which is called the Slow Club. I like that.
0: Yeah, I liked the signage. I was like, ooh, it's so like yeah. it's so smooth. The and slow
1: Club. <laughs> is, I liked it a lot. And they they drink Heineken, which is. Kind of a runner throughout it that he, likes he heineken. was
0: like i love heineken and
1: everybody is so you know her dad drinks bud and then frank wants P- paps blue ribbon PBR, uh, yeah. because and he's just so fancy with this heineken which is really funny to think heineken is the fancy <laughs> <Yeah>. beer <laughs> i was like
0: oh, okay the most <laughs> one of the basics
1: yeah nowadays heineken is a basic beer <laughs> yeah um so they go and um they watch the blue lady That's how she's introduced. The blue lady, Dorothy Mm -hmm. Valens. Um, So we get to see uh, Dorothy's interpretation of Blue Velvet. There's a good story about Angelo Badalamenti Uh and her, because she's not a singer, and she was very nervous and not wanting to do it. But he um, just worked with her. It seemed very kindly. He worked with her very kindly, (laughs) it seems. And... um, you know, one day when she was kind of sick and not wanting to, they d- did a, like a recording session. It took about three hours in. I think it comes across very well. I mean, she's not yeah. the best singer, but I think that really works for the character.
0: Yeah, because I mean, it's like... Because she's uh,
1: working at a low rent club in, in the middle Lumberton, of Lumberton, USA. Yeah, I
0: didn't expect her to be like, okay, this is going to be like a Whitney Houston. Yeah. <laughs> I expect it to be like, just like, you know, a little like local, like jazz yeah. kind of singer
1: and if you look around in the background behind everyone it is eclectic assortment of people from this town you have
2: oh yeah
1: old people who look like they belong at bingo you have young punk kids you got all sorts of types in the background and i just think it's so funny that the whole town all the different people in the town really just like to come listen to Dorothy Valens yes. sing Blue like Velvet the, time and time again because yeah, she the watering plays hole. one song. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> halfway through the song, I noticed that the band disappeared, and I don't know if it cut to a different yeah. song. I
0: I think it was a different song. Yeah, it might have been. It a sounded different song. like maybe they kind of just cut into a different song. But to me, it just of kind it. of
1: sounded like the same song. They just cut to a different part in the song, but the band yeah. just disappears, and it's our first real moment of disappearance which we do have another coming up
0: yeah uh, well yeah uh i was i kind of interpreted the disappearance as like jeffrey how he's viewing it like he's ah. like the background is just like slowly moving away and just that's a good dorothy i like that that's all he sees
1: yeah maybe that that yeah um and i really love her silhouette at the end with her like oh yes, and her looking over her shoulder okay but so they're ready to they say, okay, she's singing. We know it's safe. We're going to go our break in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. And they have a little conversation in the car beforehand in which Sandy goes, I don't know if you're a detective or a pervert. And he goes, well, that's for me to know and you to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was like, uh, maybe just say detective. <laughs> I think you can
1: probably be like, "Uh." pervert because you're definitely not a detective <laughs> yeah
0: I was like he should say detective because I don't think he wants this girl that he likes to think he's a pervert
1: <laughs> yeah but I mean he's a little both
0: he's a little weirdo yeah
1: um yeah Jeffrey uh, yeah're well, we're, yeah we're getting it it's him okay yeah well she decides to just stay so she can warn him by honking the horn um so he's up in the apartment it's on the seventh floor I'm not sure if numeral numeral <laughs> <laughs> numerologically speaking, uh-huh. If that would be um important. I would think four. I think David Lynch, um, seven is kind of a number that
0: he references.
1: It's kind of um I think it's a transitional, like a it uh-huh. can be like a bad number. I'm I'm not really that familiar with numerology.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe we should kind of keep track. I mean four. Um Maybe I mean there's always like sets of four, like there's Jeffrey and Sandy and Dorothy and Frank. Yeah, and I feel like there's lots of like references to four. Maybe it's something that pops up in his movies that we that maybe you never noticed
1: before. Yeah, well, there's definitely a lot of use of numbers in his work. So right. I I tend to believe it has at least some meaning in his head as to why. I'm sure. Um, but I was thinking maybe seventh because it's her apartment. She's so precariously balanced, and I think seven is kind of like a you know, are we going to get to eight? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um And so he's looking around her apartment. He sees the very sad nursery, uh, which uh, we don't really yeah. know. I was like, it just looks, yeah,
0: it looked like a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God.
1: And um, he has a very poorly timed pee. Um, so <sighs> he misses the warning. And soon as uh he's about to leave, which she must have not done that many more songs because, he hasn't been there for very long when no. she just shows up
0: no 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 it's all. not a very
1: big apartment to look through
0: <laughs> yeah but i was wondering i was like did i'm assuming frank dropped her off um, um it could have
1: been that detective guy too or one yeah. of the, his many goons
0: um because i assumed since in like later in the movie we see when he's driving them all around and it's going like a hundred 110 miles mm-hmm. an hour i was like maybe he's a reckless crazy driver and drove her home that fast and that's how uh, I got yeah, there so fast. That's a good point. It also could just be that it's a very she sings small three songs. Yeah. And it's like,
1: bye. I'm I done. think that's probably the most likely, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as she shows up, he runs into the closet, and I get very Halloween vibes from that. I, okay.
0: <laughs> I did too. I got the Halloween vibes from that scene and from the when he's walk when they're walking in the neighborhood.
1: Because like yeah. the opening
0: of Halloween when um Jamie Lee Curtis is on the neighborhood, which is so scary to me. <laughs> I was like, there's so many Oh, so many yeah. parallels. I... I
1: wonder, when did Halloween come out?
0: I don't know. Let me just look
1: real quick. No, I want to say
0: it was the 80s, wasn't it? I think so. 78.
1: Oh, so it had already been out. Yeah. Well, maybe he... Um was using that as an influence or at least subconsciously because when he was in there, especially when she gets the knife, I was expecting him to be like a Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, cause that scene from Halloween yeah. just is very memorable. I, to yeah, me. I
0: expected her to be like <laughs> <laughs> waving while I was like, he's done.
1: Yeah. Um, so he's hiding in the closet. She, you know, takes off her dress and I saw an interview with her where she was saying she was really trying to not come across as sexy. She wanted her body to look like, you know, like meat on a rack yeah know? like beaten
0: up and yeah. just like tired
1: yeah and i think yeah even though she's gorgeous you don't feel like oh she's so sexy ever yeah you i just like, feel like oh this poor poor woman yeah
0: i like obviously like whenever i see her i think she's like one of the most beautiful women on the planet yeah. she's <laughs> gorgeous and especially like when i think of like her role in uh death becomes her oh. i was like oh my god yeah who is this woman uh, but yeah i feel like when she i've got no feelings of her of like the director being like, "Well, take it off," but like, try to be like, you know, like you're seducing him behind the scenes. Right. Or something. I didn't get that at no. all. I felt like I felt her pain. Yeah. Especially like after she has the phone call and all that other stuff, but it's yeah. just like you could see it written all over her. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, yes. Even from the first moment she like takes off her dress, you're just she's just like hunched over, mm-hmm. and yeah, there's nothing sexy about it. And then she gets a phone call, and it's. Fairly easy to read between the lines that her child has been kidnapped. Yep. And she is giving a lot of SIRS to this person on the phone. Um, it was watching it the second time, I thought this was even more sad. Because the first time, you don't really know what's going on yet. And yeah. you get through that whole first scene with the confrontation, and you're like, ah, is she good? Is she bad? I don't know. But right. the second time through, it's just it's just sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially after you find out what kind of person Frank is. Oh, um, for sure. So, but she hears um, Jeffrey in the closet, so she grabs a knife, a big, big <laughs> a knife. A big butcher's knife. <laughs> and in her blue velvet robe with the knife, she is intense. I yeah. mean, <laughs> she, uh, forces him out of the closet she's like why are you spying on me and she has every right to feel violated by him sneaking into her apartment and staring at her while she's changing
0: i was like really happy at that specific moment when she is like not immediately like scared of him she's just like very aggressive and is like i'm in charge like yeah you know, I'm the one who has all the power here. Yeah,
1: now you take off your clothes. Because exactly. And you I was like, well, saw me equal,
0: equal, equal yeah. trade. That's what I thought.
1: Yeah, I did. I said, turn around this fair play. Now you get naked. <laughs> exactly. I was like, well. Um, he, she's like, do you like this? And he's like, yeah. But I mean, she is kind of sexually assaulting him. Um, well, yeah. that's. Been... I mean, he deserves it. But I'm just saying, he's like say, yeah, this is cool. But you could tell that he's freaking out
0: yeah yeah i would yeah i don't know like that at that part that's when it started going a little like obviously like too far because it's not like he like harmed her in that way he just yeah. violated her like
2: yeah privacy
0: is... so like seeing her take it to that level it, it almost immediately and made me feel really like sad for her like yeah that she is like has the dominance but is also like subservient you know, almost immediately yeah. to the man in the room and I was like what is it? like
1: well and the first time through you're thinking who's the abuser in this situation because yeah she's you don't know what's happened to her yet but she even though uh Jeffrey obviously is in the wrong she is very aggressively like going after him yeah. and so but the second time through you're thinking I mean you know more about what her mental state is and oh, uh
0: yeah I have to say looking after watching the movie like looking back I'm like like Wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she,
0: she has some severe mental trauma. Yeah,
1: and she's saying, don't move, don't look at me, don't touch me or I'll kill you. And that's when Frank shows up. And we get a very um, mirrored scene almost. Oh, yeah. Places I mean, switched. it's almost like Frank is doing the dialogue that Isabella Rossellini just did in the previous scene. Uh, but this is a very <laughs> disturbing scene. Um, yeah. It's very that mask that he Awful. breathes into the whole time, originally it was supposed to be helium that he was breathing. So he would have like a really high squeaky voice. Oh. And he, he told David Lynch that, you know, he thought it was going to be, he thought it was more like nitrous. And so it would make him disoriented. And he thought it would just be silly for him to have um, the high squeaky voice. But going back much later, thinking about it, he thought, no, I bet it would be really interesting and add like yeah. almost a humorous but scarier level to him to yeah be talking whenever he does that like
0: yeah it would be like almost like it would add some like humor but like uncomfortably because this yes. is like an awful scene
1: yeah but it would also help with that whole brechtian thing of like taking you out of it for a second, oh yeah you know so you can look at it as a movie as opposed to being sucked into it um again uh So this is where we're wondering who has the power in any of this situation. And we realize oh, it's definitely Frank. Yeah. Um, He makes her spread her legs. He, but the dialogue is very simple, similar to what she she was doing with um, Jeffrey. You know, don't fucking look at me. And he's making her, he's calling her mommy. And he's obviously crazy and on drugs.
0: Yeah, I half expected because of her calling him baby and him saying mommy after the fact that it was gonna be one of those like those instances where the, he wants to feel like subservient because he's always at that level ten dominance, but right <laughs> not at all. Like he is still in charge and still like just yeah, awful.
1: Yeah, um, and I was thinking the neighbors must hate them so bad because they are so loud and yeah. obviously people are getting beat up and Ugh. i mean just i, I don't know i, I, mean, I mean obviously looked... they're scared of him probably if they have oh, met him at all for but... sure
0: but it seems like a very seedy
1: <laughs> yeah kind of
0: apartment building it's sort of
1: just down the street from where jeffrey lives
0: yeah that's what was so interesting it's because the world's
1: smallest town though <laughs> yeah from
0: the outside of that building it doesn't necessarily read as like that kind of building i thought it was going to be like you know this like kind of luxurious grand room because she's like this blue singer and right. She's so beautiful, but
1: it's like all gray and dingy. Yeah,
0: Ugh, Dirty.
1: Yeah. Um We get into like the rape scene. He hits her. And I find it very interesting that it's almost the only time she smiles. And the whole yeah. thing is when she's getting hit. And you know, that's obviously going to come back because she's, she, it's almost like she can't, she hates herself. She hates yeah her situation and being hit is, like, what makes her feel... I guess maybe she wants to be hit because she just doesn't... She feels like that's what she deserves. Yeah,
0: it's almost like... Um, I kind like of related... Pain it.
1: is... That type of pain is preferable. It's,
0: it's, like, the way she is able to feel something else other than, yeah, like, the, like extreme depression of her husband and and child yeah yeah she's like well i'm doing something to keep them alive she's like so if i know if he's hitting me that he's getting some satisfaction out of it so that you know he's not gonna be angry and do something to get against me right and then later i i remember i went back to that scene where she smiles later when uh jeffrey
2: right uh, talks about
0: her saying like he seems like she doesn't want to be alive anymore yeah And, like, maybe this is the only way she feels alive is when she feels that physical pain.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because she's obviously in a lot of other pain, but maybe she just needs that external. Um, And he says, do it for Van Gogh. So we get the impression that it's definitely, that ear is definitely wrapped up in this whole scary mystery that we're now in. Right. And so Frank leaves, and Jeffrey is hooked. Yeah. (laughs) A vulnerable and abused woman needs his help, and... You know, he wanted to get into some crazy situation, and now he can't... I mean, I, you can't witness something like that and just Not, walk and away. Just detach yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I was wondering, how long has this been going on? How long has she been in this crazy situation? Yeah. Um, she calls Jeffrey Dawn, and we find out later that's the name of her husband. Right. And she's just clinging to him, and she wants him to hit her. Yeah. Because, just... again... Ugh. She's got her wires crossed from all of the abuse. Just like
0: I had that, like replaying in my mind after the movie ended, to her just repeating, "like hit me, hit me," yeah. and I'm just like, "oh my so sad. god, it's so awful!" Yeah. Like it made me feel so terrible.
1: Um, and we do find out at the end of the scene that she is married to Don because we find the picture of him and her son and see the um the marriage, marriage certificate. certificate. And at the very end, as he's leaving, you just hear her in the bathroom help me help me help me help me over and over again and it was all um yeah but you know poor jeffrey also he's like what the hell i am yeah. i have gotten in so deep so quickly yeah. into this dramatic situation
0: um i what i wrote down and what was going through my mind um after he's like involving himself in these like events is like almost like the um the um like this like young boyish like adventurism i would call it like almost like almost goonies-esque uh-huh. but obviously elevated where it's like you know someone who's not trained or who has like the experience to be in these situations but it's like well i can do it i can i'm invincible yeah and it's just like
1: especially a young person's so.
0: <laughs> yeah and it's it seemed very like grown-up goonies-ish like he is just has this grand plan to break into her apartment like no normal person yeah and i all because
1: of this ear he found he just yeah was desperate to know and it's
0: like (laughs) you know loose information that sandy heard and i interpreted their relationship like sandy and jeffrey as sandy is representative of the audience watching because the minute he says let's break into her apartment she's like what are you talking about (laughs) you're crazy yeah
1: but and, we're all kind of like, yeah, do it. We want to know what's happening yeah, and there, then, too. <laughs> and then she eventually
0: comes around, and she's like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, we need the story to go along. But I, f- I feel like he is the, he's representative of, like, the whole story. Like, we've got to have this crazy, like, you know, almost like he's representative of David Lynch, like, taking us on this a crazy journey. And yeah. we're like, but it's crazy. Yeah. But we're going to do it.
1: Yeah. I have read a couple things that said that he's kind of a stand-in for Lynch in this movie. That um, makes sense. Actually, Lynch and Isabella Rossellini um, kind of got together for a while. After really? This. Yeah. Oh, then we have a dream, uh, just a short clip of Jeffrey dreaming about Frank and Dorothy and his dad. Oh, um, uh, yeah. So obviously this all makes up in his head, but I, do, I wanted to point that out because he wakes up and he, like, touches the wall and there's this weird thing hanging over his bed yeah and I was looking through the lost footage to see do they explain this thing I look, I looked online does anyone have any explanation for what this it looks almost like a cross between a shrunken head and like um, a coconut with a mouth on it that's that's what I got <laughs> the
0: mouth as I was like I don't maybe it was uh I don't know maybe it's the David Lynch inserting his original idea of having the nose the mouth <laughs> into the story somehow. yeah
1: maybe and maybe
0: it means something yeah i just need to watch it again
1: maybe when we get to um twin peaks to return there are some mouths oh there's mouths throughout twin peaks well we'll see i just want to point out because i just noticed it. i thought it was very bizarre um so he calls sandy from the store we get to see a little more of double ed um at know, the register at the register uh, which is fun uh and then it's time for a date with sandy to spill the tea about what happened last night (laughs) she is so dressed up and they just go driving and they park by the church oh yeah (laughs) and um jeffrey is explaining what he thinks has happened to dorothy and the first time i watched it he was describing what i also thought was happening to dorothy and i thought well, if that's what he thinks happened, then maybe I'm doubting myself now because it can't be that easy, but it really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty I, much this, what happened. He yeah. figures it out in the first day.
0: I guess I, I was, like, kind of, like, surprised by his lack of detail because it oh, seemed well. very, like, surface. I mean, obviously he didn't have to he be, like way by doesn't want to tell the real truth about what yeah, happened. Yeah, <laughs> but it was, like, it seemed like, you know, he was just, like, oh, she's indebted to this guy, Frank, and he's awful, and he has her husband and child and she needs help and I felt like that was kind of it and I was like but there's so much like it doesn't really get across the severity of it which maybe was to keep Sandy hooked
1: yeah and I think he doesn't want to say like you know I was sexually attracted to her we both took off our clothes and there was a lot of Uh, uh, potential hanky panky going on although not quite yet yet. Um, and he does say with like the saddest tear filled eyes why are there people like Frank why is there so much trouble in this world and yeah. it's just so you know, innocent. Yeah, <laughs> innocent. Was like, and you can tell he's having his existential crisis. <laughs> yeah, with his dad. Yeah.
0: it's I don't know. It's a taste of the real world, I guess. Yeah,
1: and that's pretty much the halfway mark. So, I mean, I thought when we got when I got to that point, I was like, Whoa, how has it been an hour already? I cannot yeah. believe." We're already an hour into this. I know. I
0: felt like, I wrote in my notes, um, even when we were at the detective's house, I was like, it was moving so fast, so fast paced that I was like, I feel like there's hardly been any dialogue, but so much has happened. Yeah. It's so crazy.
1: And that's all for the first half of our exploration of Blue Velvet by David Lynch. Christian, do you have a recommendation for the people for this week?
0: I do. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and recommend a podcast. Uh, it's called Root of Evil. Uh-huh. And it is a almost journalistic approach um, to the Black Dahlia murder. Um, and it's just, it's really, I mean, you, everyone knows about this murder. It's probably one of the most infamous murders of all time. But you, I, you once you get into this podcast, you really are surprised about how much you don't know um and it's just so cool to hear all these like things that were going on at the same time and it's done by these two sisters who are in this family that is somehow connected to this murder and I I enjoyed it I it was so cinematic the way it was told and I breezed through the episode so fast because it was so enjoyable and so just I don't know like so (laughs) much I learned from this like podcast. So, I would recommend listening to it.
1: I downloaded the teaser and for, from your recommendation. I have not gotten to it yet because I was out of town last week so I have have so many <laughs> podcasts. I don't know why I can't just up on. not listen to some, but I'm, I I am a completionist, what can I say? Yeah. Um I'm going to say my recommendation for this week is a book that I've been listening to called Leviathan Wakes and Ooh. it is what The Expanse the series, um, it's on Amazon now, is based on, and that is also a great television series, but I'll recommend that later when it actually comes out for, again for the fourth season. But <laughs> Leviathan Wakes is the first book in the series, and it's excellent. If you like sci-fi, if you like sweeping epic-type dramas, it's, um, it's definitely one of the, I would say it's one of the best sci-fi stories that I've read. I have a big fantasy bent, so... You know, the bigger mm-hmm. the story is, the better I like it. Um, and I would definitely recommend it. Um, it's by James S.A. Corey. So definitely check that out. I'm listening to the audio book, so it's really good if you're looking for a good audio book to read. Yeah,
0: that's my list.
1: <laughs> so, and if you would like to get in touch with us, you can find us at mannersandmadness.com, on Twitter at mannersmadness, on Instagram at mannersandmadnesspod or at gmail at mannersandbadness at (laughs) (laughs) gmail.com
0: yes and we want to hear all your feedback we want to hear what you like what you don't like uh, any suggestions you might have we just want to hear from you
1: yes and please rate and review and subscribe so that you can get our next podcast which will be the second half of blue velvet we hope you'll join us then thank you see you then good night